Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. I can tell. I think I can do 20 miles, maybe, or something like that, right? Mm. And then you put it all together in, in one day, and you're just like, wow. We're literally, and you know, the human body is amazing, and anything is really possible. Peter Sanington, your big game hunter. And guys, we have our sights on someone special. <laughs> no, only a mother could invest in this idea. made this, like, super artistic. That is actually absolutely correct. Um, and that's a very, very astute assessment, actually. True startup story, guys. You got it. Your company just got seed round financed. Congratulations. You're going to the moon. But now you have to scale. You found great talent out in California, New York, Georgia, and even Eastern Europe. So what communications platform will you be using to ensure your international team is always aligned? Well, the answer is easy, slack.com for teams. We've used Slack for all of our previous startups and they've supported us in tremendous ways. And we wanna give them a thanks today for supporting vchunting.com. Did you also know that Slack is a great tool for personal use? Yeah, I use my own personal Slack channel to drop in documents, notes, to-dos, and follow-ups to ensure that my workflow throughout the day is right on course. I promise you, if you try out slack.com for personal use, you'll end up using it for your team as well. Go to slack.com to check it out. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of VC Hunting, where we find some of the most interesting stories and most intriguing people in all of venture capital. Today, we have a great guest. It's Rohit Bhatia, who is at the senior investor and senior analyst at Grand Ventures. Rohit, thanks so much for joining the show. Thanks for having me. Great to be here. Well, you, I, I, I love, I love uh, the, I have to start out. I love reading your medium posts. You got some interesting medium posts up there about Ironman. We're going to get into running and doing your first Ironman. We're going to be talking about you moving and changing jobs here and getting into where you are. But give us a little bit of context from Brown University to venture capital. Was the journey always so clear? Because if we look at your LinkedIn, it seems like you're like university student, VC trajectory. Tell us, why is that? Yeah, no, it was definitely not a straightforward journey at all. I actually went to Dartmouth first, um, majored in poli-sci, um, transferred to Brown, still majored in poli-sci. I thought I wanted to like work at a think tank or something. Did an internship at the Congressional Research Service, which is like the government's think tank kind of, and realized how slow everything in the government moves. And <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yes, surprise. Surprise, surprise. And I realized I did not want to do that. And I saw that there's, you know, other ways to kind of have a positive impact on society outside of being directly in the government. Mm-hmm. And around the same time at Brown, I joined this club called the Socially Responsible Investment Group. Mm-hmm. And our mandate was kind of, you know, invest in companies, but only invest in companies that are doing good things for the world. And so I kind of saw this cool intersection between like, 
being a good person and also making money. Mm-hmm. And that kind of intrigued me. And I also really fell in love with both investing and entrepreneurship and found myself after college in at Cambridge Associates, which is kind of like a fund of fund investment advisor for right. basically every endowment and foundation that exists. So they, you know, they're doing the social good by helping, you know, universities and nonprofits get good returns on their investments. And that was cool um, in theory, but I realized over there that I didn't want to be like two steps removed from actually investing. Mm. And so we would have VCs pitch us for money. And I realized I would rather just be the VC on the other side. And so pretty quickly after, you know, at Cambridge Associates, I realized I didn't, I didn't want to be there and I wanted to be an investor. So I started looking around and I came across this program called Venture for America. And their thesis is kind of being the teach for America, but for entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. So they help place recent college grads across the U.S. in kind of entrepreneurial places that aren't hubs yet. So places like St. Louis or Detroit. So outside of, you know, San Francisco and the, and the coast, basically. And through that, I got hooked up with 630 Ventures, which was kind of my first foray into D.C. So long-winded answer, but it was a winding, a winding path for sure. Well, that's, I, I think that's, I think what you, what you have, have communicated to us here is a very, a very usual path of sorts for a, for a postgraduate. It's like you got out into the real world and you, and you get your first job and you realize like, mm, not really what I was, was enjoying. And I think what, one of the nice things is you were, you were conscientious enough to be able to say, Hey, look, this isn't what I'm looking for. I need to move on. And so you moved on to Cambridge Associates, fund to fund endowments, these types of things. And you, then you're conscientious enough as well as self-aware enough to be able to say, you know, I'm, I'm a little, a little bit more removed than I'd like to be. And then, and so then you, you made it into the venture capital world uh, is where you are now. And it, what is interesting is many college graduates stick it out. They, 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 they stay longer. They, they're, they're often, they're often maybe willing to bet a little bit, hedge a little bit and say, you know, I'm going to stick in here a little bit longer. Obviously it depends on their risk appetite and kind of their personality. And so I would say that you kind of shortcutted really relatively quickly to where you are now because you were conscientious enough to say, this isn't really exactly where I want to be. And I want to make, make the next move. Is that fair? Yeah, that's, that's definitely true. Um, I definitely have, a really high risk appetite and just think life's too short to be miserable. Um, Also, you know, candidly fortunate to be able to take risks, like, you know, career risks, like everyone doesn't have like a safety net. Like if I, you know, lose my job tomorrow, I could go home and my parents would be fine with that. Um, So definitely have that. Those those Asian parents will always take us (laughs) back guys. (laughs) That is a hundred percent true and very thankful for that. Um, yeah, and my basic kind of guiding light in, you know, choosing jobs and schools and whatnot is just if I feel like I'm learning something that I'm interested in and continue mm. to do so, then that's awesome and I'll be having a good time. But the minute I feel like I'm not learning what I want to be learning, then I think it's completely fair to kind of look for new opportunities or find a way to make the job you're at something, you know, you want it to be. 
Well, you know, I really appreciate, I really appreciate your candor there and, and the way that you communicated that, because I think a lot of people, a lot of people have a lot of, they have a lot of narratives that they tell themselves of why they can't or why they shouldn't or why they couldn't. Right. But you, at the end of the day, you're saying, Hey, you know, life is too short. You know, it's, it's, it's worth, it's worth the risk. Yeah. Granted, contextually, you have a safety net that maybe others don't, but all, all, all things equal, uh, you were able to say, look, I need to go and find something that enlightens me, something that I enjoy learning. So on that, on that note, you're with Grand Ventures now, you're a senior investor, senior analyst over there. Tell us, what are you learning there? Yeah, I've been learning a ton at Grand Ventures. So kind of what I love about my job right now is it's, you know, it's just four of us, really flat structure. And so the sky's kind of limited in terms of what I do day to day, which founders I interact with, which startups I kind of proceed with. And so there's learning around kind of every part of the investment cycle from, um, you know, sourcing a deal to diligencing it and then, you know, driving it through the investment process. And then even after that, like engaging with the startup once they're in the portfolio. So in terms of sourcing, like I've kind of, learn you know what's like you know in the beginning i was pretty nice give us some tips how how do you how do you i mean from someone who let's can can i make an assumption here you probably didn't have a huge network coming in yeah grand ventures so given that context how do you begin sourcing as as a relatively new green bean in in grand ventures yeah for sure i think kind of the the best source of deals is other investors who have Mm -hmm. qualified deals already so really just building relationships with other investors has been really valuable. Some of that has been through, you know, Tim, who's the managing partners, existing relationships and Mm -hmm. him introducing people to us. A lot of it honestly has been me just reaching out to other investors directly that I don't know at all. And, Mm -hmm. you know, everyone's looking for a deal flow and looking, you know, some deals that are applicable to us may also be applicable to someone else or some deals that aren't applicable to us could, could be applicable to someone else especially in the Midwest, there's so much appetite for collaboration and sharing. And, you know, in order to get like even a few million dollar round done, you need a few VCs. So mm. it's a really collaborative atmosphere. So sharing deals is definitely one of the major ways to get good deal flow. The other is um, attending events. So, you know, attending events in Chicago, more recently Toronto, Detroit, um, meet a lot of startups that way, meet a lot of other investors. And, Beyond just attending the events, the great thing is when you kind of make a splash so you're in the city, you kind of say like, all right, all right, I'm here. Who else, you know, should I meet with? And you ask like the local, um, you know, VC fund or founders that you know, like, give me tips on who I should, you know, meet. So just kind of asking for help. Um, people are, you know, people in the, in the community, you know, want to promote entrepreneurship generally. And, you know, you're the one that's, may or may not put money in so yeah that's so, one so it would be fair for me you know we have a lot of uh, entrepreneurs founders and venture capitalists who watch this we also have what i like to call affectionately the entree pro curious those are curious about entrepreneurship um, but we i've gotten a lot of inbound around you know what does it take for a founder to get into venture capital and these types of things because it's often one of the trajectories or routes that uh, that venture capitalists kind of emerge they're founders first they've had some successes they have a relatively relatively solid a network of venture capitalists that they've worked with and now they can leverage 
their, their, uh, their gains and their success for good. And so one would say that you would, it would almost requires an assertiveness to go out and find these networks, find these introductions. Is that fair? Because I've, I've often, and you, you can give me your opinion in a second, I've often talked with founders who are a little bit more on the shy side, and I've said, hey, man, VC is a go-get-it game. Like you, like as a founder, maybe a technical founder, you have really have to be on a different side of the equation in terms of going out, going to these events, maybe getting out of your social, you know, your, 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 uh, uh, what's the word? Um, someone, what's the word I'm looking for? Anti-social behavior, maybe, I don't know. Uh, but w- would you say that uh, it requires kind of an assertive attitude to be able to be successful and start growing as a, as a relatively new VC? I don't know. I definitely fall more on the, the introvert side. Mm, that's and, the word I was looking for. <laughs> um, yeah. And I definitely did, you know, have stepped far outside of my comfort zone mm-hmm. um, with being a VC. But I think, you know, yeah, there's probably a lot of type A people, but I don't know if you're just kind of, you know, someone more thoughtful that kind of speaks when there's value to be added, they're generally nice, then other people will want to kind of approach you because it's just kind of a, you know, breath of fresh air kind of thing. Hmm. So I think there's, you know, value to just kind of cliche as it sounds, you know, being yourself and, you know, as a founder, you have the, you know, the coolest experience out of anyone and you're the most like, you should have the least imposter syndrome. Like (laughs) I definitely have that. Um, But like, you know, if you actually have built something, you have, so many great war stories and so many lessons to draw upon as an investor. Did you know that there's even more value than just audio or video? Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok at VC hunting, and make sure to sign up for the VC hunting newsletter where you'll be able to get weekly news on venture capital startups, founder stories, and the occasional wisdom extracted from Peter's brain. Go to vchunting.com to sign up. And now back to the episode. Fair. I think it's, it's great. Well, that's that's fair enough. Fair enough. And and I appreciate your your what is interesting. And I will say, and this is not a dig on you, but you just recently joined Twitter. So welcome. I, welcome true. Thank you. Welcome, welcome to the Twitterverse. And you contextually and relatively of sorts, uh, just joined the blogosphere. And so I just had a, just a small question. Why so late? I mean, you're, you're a millennial, man. I mean, isn't social your game? To, like, what's, what's up? No, I, I, I basically rejected social media, like, Ooh. in high school. So, like, I got off everything because I was just like, yeah, I don't, I, I'm kind of the type of person that, like, just doesn't like that kind of external validation mm. um, that comes from social media and kind of not being on social media has, you know, led me to pay more attention to my close friends and family and kind of these micro social groups. Mm. Um, so like I prefer, for example, like I don't like texting people. I do mostly like phone calls. And I find that's a lot more meaningful. Um, now, like with work, like being VC definitely, I see like, you know, work related value to being on Twitter and medium and all of that. So that's kind of, I finally gave into that and <laughs> it's pretty valuable. Welcome, like, welcome to the Borg, man. You've been assimilated. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot to learn from other people in the community for sure. And I feel like as long as I 
keep the work world social work social media world and the kind of other broader just like social validation kind of component of social media separate i think it's great and really really important I, I think I think that's fair. I think that's fair. I, I don't know if everyone in the world would would agree with you, but this is the worldview that you have, right? This is the kind of the model of your life that you have, where you've compartmentalized the leveraging social for work rather than personal. And I can appreciate that. It's kind of you know the word that kind of rose up in my gut, Rohit, was you know, like a Renaissance man. Um, <laughs> and, and you just appreciate you you appreciate the old school. I mean, this, the whole, you know, environment of the world going more remote first now, considering everything, everything that's going on, it must be, it must be in, intriguing for you to, to see, to see, you know, remote first, you know, uh, you know, network first, social network first, um, and, and be able to really appreciate on the other side where you are, really be able to appreciate the value of in-person connections right and having those connections which i can really tell from your medium articles is something that you value a lot is that fair yeah that's that's definitely a a fair assessment okay round two name something that's not boring a laundry oh a book club computer solitaire huh ah sorry we were looking for chumba casino that's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, prohibited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing. The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Let's get to the medium. In December 20, 20th, 2019, because we always like to do a little bit of digging. On December 20th, 2019, so not too long ago, about four months ago, you wrote a post called Grit and Goals, which I really liked. I really liked this. Uh, you, said, you said essentially, hey, new city, new job, new experience, quote, grit and pleasure may seem like unrelated concepts, but it takes discipline and intentionality to make time to really live and not just exist. So tell me. What's the balance between grit and pleasure? Because often when it comes contextually to the word grit, people don't think of it as a pleasurable thing, but rather something that is hard, something that is hard work, takes a lot of effort, these types of things. So tell us, what's the balance between grit and pleasure for you? Yeah, I mean, I just thought about like, you know, I was just kind of reflecting on how I've always been kind of striving for the next goal, whether that was you know, getting it, getting into a good school or getting a good job or whatever triathlon and that same kind of grit that, you know, you're, is required to achieve something really important is also required to, you know, make time for things that matter. Basically pleasure maybe was kind of the wrong word, but kind of like meaning or, you know, meaningful interactions or connections Mm -hmm. And things that really, you know, really matter at the end of the day, like making time for those things is really hard. Um, and I, I just think really important. So how, how did, how did, how did, I, I, you're still under 30, is that correct? I'm 25. 
Okay. All right. So you're tw- 25. Holy cow, man. I'm a decade and a half older <laughs> than you, bro. Uh, Honestly, you, I wouldn't know. Look, I would think you were 20, 20 it's, something. It's the Asian. It's the Asian. You know, <laughs> the Asian. It's the Asian. Um, but how did, how did you, and I, I want to make sure I phrase this in a way that, that, that I can understand it, but how did you, how did you come about having such a worldview? Is it, is it something that was ingrown from your culture? Was it something that you got from your parents or, or, your, or your, your family connections? Was it something that it was, you know, just you, you had a, a, an event that said, hey, wow. I mean, you have a real maturity around personal time. And you have a real maturity around the value of, of the time that you have, which is short in, in the whole span of things. So what, what there's a, there's an interesting humility to that. And I, I really appreciate that Rohit. I'm just, I'm just curious, where did you get that from? Is that something that's ingrown or where did it go? Where'd it come from? Yeah, I think it's, it's a combination of things. Um, one is, you know, my, as my sister passed away when I was like 18 and, mm-hmm. you know, you can, that kind of always, things like that always give you a lot of context on what is and, you know, what isn't important. Um, so that was probably one. The other was kind of just graduating from school and realizing how freeing that was for me and how I realized, like, you know, the past four years, I've just been, you know, grinding away. And I just felt like, wow, now the world has opened up to me. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to, I don't know, I, I really want to take advantage of that now, now that I have kind of free will, if you will. Mm. And I was just like, you know, I'm going to choose to, you know, continue striving in my career, but other things matter too. Like I want to find meaning in other ways as well. I love that. I love that. I can really appreciate that. I want to talk about um, a Twitter post you made on March, March 27th, March 17th. It was yesterday, actually, March 17th, 2020 on your Ironman triathlon journey so you just wrote this article um and i i loved i loved this idea you were talking about you know proving your own capability playing the long game doing the hard things is educational and let me let me let me give you a quote here from the march uh, march 17th tweet days before the full force of the coronavirus craziness hit i completed my first ironman in new zealand Tell us about that. Well, what's the story behind that and why would someone as young as you want to go and do something so hard? <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is kind of something I've been working towards for the past kind of like two years almost. Sure. Um, it really, it was kind of, kind of the same thing. Once I graduated from school, I just had all this time and energy and I wanted to, you know, work towards something that was, you know, you know, meaningful to me in a different way. And I'd always been, you know, really active, but never felt like I had a predictable enough schedule to really commit to anything as big as an Ironman while I was in college. Mm. And so once I got out, I was really excited to be super active and work towards something exciting. And I, you know, went for a sprint triathlon that went really well. I fell in love with it and just kind of kept progressing from there until I felt I was ready to train for an Ironman and ended up you know, doing that and training through the winter and it it just all kind of, kind of happened and worked out. And it was just really motivating to just continually be making progress. Mm. And that's probably the biggest reason, you know, and motivation behind it is just like, you know, running, swimming, biking faster and farther than, than I've I've ever done every week. Um, It just, it just makes you want to keep, keep going. I, I mean, 
one way, like a lot of people, at least my friends maybe can relate to is like when you're, you know, a lot of people lift weights, right? Like mm. lifting more weights each week is, you know, feels, feels really good. Um, in the same way, you know, running like, you know, 15 miles for the first time is like, wow, that's a long distance. And I did that. I can, hell, I think I can do 20 miles maybe or something like that. Right. Mm. And then you put it all together in, in one day and you're just like, wow, We're literally, and you know, the human body is amazing and anything is really possible. That's awesome. I, I think uh, I'd love to know your perspective when you're close to 40 like me, uh, when you've hit the upper echelons of, your, of the ceiling that you thought that you could crack, and then you realize that the inherent genetics that are in, in, inside of you just are the constraint to that t- type of success. So for someone, for someone who, I mean, there are limits to how far you can run and how far you can swim these types of things and so are you the type of individual as you get closer to the ceiling of that you switch and you pivot and you try something else are you looking to find that upper upper ceiling yeah I mean I don't know the answer to that Um, we'll see what happens as I you know get older but I would definitely say yeah I don't think there is yeah I'm not gonna you know subscribe to a limit until I until I find it for sure. And I would say to you though, you know, the age group that's like most successful in Ironmans and triathlons is like 35 to 40. Like it's insane. These people have just figured out like the skill, like there's some, you think, you know, it's kind of just all like, you know, willpower and Mm. just fitness, but there's a ton of skill behind like, especially like swimming and biking, I think. And just like the mental fitness that's required. Mm. And you know, these guys have figured it out. Um, and it's crazy. There's literally 70 plus year olds that, you know, were in this Ironman that I was in like multi, like I think five or 10 of them. And they've, you know, completed an Ironman, something that, you know, most young people will never do, which is, mm. just, you know, blows my mind, but uh, you, you, you're really you're getting me, you're getting me, you're getting me thoughtful about maybe signing up. I, I would have to, I mean, my training would start slow. Trust me. It would start <laughs> very slow, but I, 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 I could, I can understand why the age group of 35 to 40 or age group of 35 to 45, uh, those individuals have kind of figured it out. It's, 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 you've had enough life experience. You've been beaten down hard enough and you've, and if you've been <laughs> successful, I think maybe that's another different, a different qualifier there. I obviously don't know the data, but if you've been successful in business in life, then translating that discipline, that mental hardiness of sorts to like something like Ironman, I would think would not be a ridiculously rough transition. It would obviously there's, there's a transition of sorts, but for those who have, who've hard, you know, figured it out over this side, move it to a sport, that makes sense. And it's a sport that you can, a- you can access in your 35 to 45 yep. up to 70. It's also like, yeah, really to that point, such an expensive sport. Like is, bikes is are really expensive. Oh. Like participating in Ironman is expensive. Like you need, you need like predictability of time, right? Like as you get older, you know, you can, you know, whatever, make time for things. And I mean, with kids and stuff, I'm sure that's harder, but like, you know, like, you know, most young professionals don't have any control of their time, right? Like if you work at a, you know, investment bank or consultancy, you know, your company owns you until you're much older, basically. I'm fortunate, you know, to have part more of the deal. Time. Yeah, I'm, I'm a little fortunate to have more control over my time as a young person. So it's a little more possible. 
I can understand that. So as we're rounding this out, I want to ask one final question here. You, you, a lot of what you've talked about is forward moving progress. And I, I really, really empathize. And I really take that to heart because that's, that's very much how I'm built. I love forward progress. I love forward movement. Um, I used to go when I was younger and ignorant, I used to go by saying, if you're not moving forward, you're dying. Oh. Okay, ignoramus. That's not necessarily true. Uh, when you have kids and wife and everything, things can be on pause for a good while and things are okay. Things are still progressing. Um, but what are you thinking about in terms of you're now, now you're in VC? What are you excited about in terms of progressing in your knowledge and your experience uh, in this new realm of venture capital as we move into 2020? Yeah, I guess what. What I'm always looking to do is, like I said, you know, continue learning more. So we're trying to get better as as a fund, you know, with respect to really getting smart on, you know, certain industries. Like we keep seeing startups, you know, again and again in some of the same industries. And, you know, with seeing the same thing a bunch of times, hopefully you start recognizing patterns and can develop an opinion on them. And then, you know, eventually when you invest in a company, you can add value based on what you've seen and, you know, historical stuff. So I, I'm particularly interested in like digital health, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a shift from fee for service to value-based care. And there's, you know, insurers, providers, and patients are have kind of more aligned incentives now around just being healthy. And we've seen a handful of startups in this space, um, like elder care as well. And, uh, virtual care management and all of that. I'm just really want to develop some sort of, you know, opinion on these spaces to really be able to make kind of better decisions when we, when we do see, you know, startups in, in this space. Awesome. Well, one final question. When's your next, when's your next Ironman? Are you doing it? <laughs> uh, I'm not sure. It's, it's too soon right now to, to make that call. Um, just still recovering from the one I just did. So we'll well, see soon. from what I understand about the Ironman, it is like a war. It's a war against yourself, you versus you. And if you can come out after it, then you need to certainly heal up and take some time to let your body, uh, body come back together. Thanks so much, Rohit Bhatia, for joining the show. I'm going to give you the final word here. Where can people find more about you and Grand, uh, Grand Ventures? Uh, where can they find out that information? You got the floor. Um, yeah, I guess you could find more about me on my Medium page. I unfortunately do not know. That's right. We got all up. the links below. It's just oh, your awesome. Shield. Check me out on Medium or, or LinkedIn and, and Twitter as well. Perfect. Perfect. Thanks so much, Rohit. We'll talk again soon. Thanks a lot, Peter. Really, really, really appreciate it. Well, I enjoyed that conversation with Rohit Bhatia. And actually, one of the things that I appreciated the most was our conversation after our interview. Our conversation after the interview, Rohit um, asked me a couple questions about what I'm learning in venture capital and how my journey's been. He wanted to know a little bit about me, and I really appreciate, Rohit, for you asking those questions. So I got to let him know what my journey's like from founder, operator, asking for money in venture capital, moving into the venture capital game today, um, talking about the value of relationships, the value of networking, these types of things, which is exactly the game in the VC world. You know, one of the things that I really appreciated about Rohit in our conversation is he's built a lot like me, just a younger 
better looking version of me. <laughs> no, really, like uh, it, he's he's a man who's after a challenge. He's a man who appreciates life. And I and I and Rohit, if you're listening, I really hope that you stay that way. Stay that way. Focus on the things that really matter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Being a venture capitalist is great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Investing in, in, in great companies and being part of their narrative and story is great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's great to fly all over the place and meet people and do all that fun stuff. Yes. That's, a, that's all still work. It's the relationships that matter. And so if you can find great relationships, if you can find great relationships in venture capital or whatever you're doing out there, if you're founder or entrepreneur or the entrepreneur curious, that's what you need to focus on. Focus on those things. Focus on the non-work things. Focus on the relationships. Focus on experiences. Challenging yourself like Rohit did uh, with his Ironman triathlon journey. Amazing. He did it in four, four hours and 45 minutes if my notes serve me well here. Uh, but I appreciated that. I really appreciated his, his worldview. I appreciated his grit, his perseverance, his, his being uh, situationally aware um, and being conscientious. Of, of his position so that he can not stay stagnant but keep moving forward and I think that was probably one of the most encouraging things that you could get out of this interview is that Rohit is young 25 years old 25 years young guys 25 years young in the VC game learning a ton from Grand Ventures which I'm, I'm it's just great that that Grand Ventures is uh, taking him in and giving him the school and he needs uh, and continue to strive continue to go continue to grow that's a big deal guys and so i there's there's i mean we talked about grit we talked about having a, an, an appetite for learning we talked about his iron man a little bit i mean there's not much that I, else i can say be like rohit be like rohit go out chase your dreams grow be intentional with your growth but also make sure that you have time for self time for family and relationships at 25 years old, it seems like Rohit has the, uh, the recipe for a successful life moving forward. And I could dig that. If you want more information on this, uh, on this interview, guys, feel free to find your way over to vchunting.com slash Rohit Bhatia. I'll see you guys next time. This was fun. This is a, Rohit's cool. <laughs>